Hey, welcome back to Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I am your host, and I'm very excited for today's episode. We go into so many different directions with uh, human, I don't even know how I would describe this, human potential, um, how you react to things, how much better your life could be if you thought about things in a different way. And you're going to hear a really interesting journey taken by a woman who was met with an unexpected diagnosis and what she did with that to change her life and change her clients' lives and those around her. It's super inspiring. She's an incredibly enlightening person, and she's also entertaining. We laugh a lot during this this episode, and it's funny because she actually has an acronym, LAF, which you'll learn about in the interview that, you know means laughing and why laughing is so important. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably know I laugh all the time. I love to laugh. And I actually had someone say to me in the last year or two, wow, you laugh too much. Why do you laugh all the time? And I thought that was a really weird question and a really weird comment. And I didn't really know what to say, but I love to laugh and I'm probably not going to be changing that. So... And in this interview, we find out why it's actually a really good thing. So Heather Evans Keenan is today's guest, and I cannot wait to share with you all of her advice. Before we do so, don't forget, the Speaking School for Women reopens its doors on September 26th, and I want you to join us. I have space for 20 students, and it promises to be an excellent time. If you go to AngelaLucier.us and click on Speaking School, you'll get all the details on why it's so awesome. You'll read reviews from the people who've taken the course, and you'll find out more about what you will get from it. I'll go into more detail next month, but for now, that's what you need to know. So if that interests you, please check it out. And without further ado, here is Heather Evans-Keenan. On today's show, I'd like to welcome Heather Evans-Keenan. Heather is an award-winning communications coach and trainer. She teaches teams and individuals how to maximize their full potential using inward and outward communications as the mechanism to boost personal effectiveness. Fusing together a 20-year career in communications with training in psychology and neurobiology, Evans Keenan provides a series of customized workshops, talks, webinars, and one-on-one -on -one coaching programs for professionals seeking mastery in both their professional and personal lives. Topics include public speaking, media training, conquering the inner critic, don't we love that, the profound power of listening, and four steps to cultivating a stress-free life, to name a few. High-profile executives and organizations such as Hewlett-Packard, MedStar Health, U.S. Department of Energy, the National Bar Association, and the Independent Community Bankers of America utilize her training. Named Washington PR Woman of the Year, Evans Keenan is a frequent speaker on a range of personal development, business, and communications topics. She's also past president of PRSA NCC, the largest chapter of the Public Relations Society of America in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Wow. Um, Heather, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's my pleasure. Um, that is such an amazing bio. As, a, as I'm saying it, I'm like, wow, 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 wow. I mean, like, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're very kind. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, you've been running a very successful PR and communications firm for the last 18 years. Tell us about how your company came to be, the evolution of it, and what you do today. Well, that's quite a story because it's been a bit of a journey. But um, so since its inception, um, since I decided to start consulting, which then turned in to um, a full service PR and marketing firm, communications has always been at the root of what we always did. So communicating in an authentic way and really putting that, weaving that into um, the heart of every nationwide communications campaign, uh, which included a lot of public relations and marketing kind of services, um, was just our approach. And for many, many years, for 15 years, um, that's the work that we did. And um, eventually, while it started off as just me at first, uh, eventually I built a full team and um, used kind of a virtual agency model whereby we all worked from our home office, so not a brick and mortar kind of um, establishment, but rather a real gathering of great minds doing work that we truly, truly loved. And um, like I said, did that for 15 years. and. Honestly, I mean, I have to say, I feel really blessed. You know, the work that we did um, was beautifully recognized time and again. We won the industry's most coveted awards, really beyond my expectations in many ways. And then in early uh, 2015, after looking at kind of what had happened in my own personal life and and a longer term vision for what I really wanted to do, it became clear that there was an opportunity to shift from broader external kind of campaigns to um, something more on the uh, deeper individual level. So rather than um, campaigns to meet broad kind of communications objectives, we could work with executives themselves and their teams internally and provide tangible tools and techniques to really create more meaningful contributions within their company. So we really moved from public relations and marketing and shifted our name even and just kind of transformed it. The P and the R for Keenan PR, while that used to be public relations, it really took, took on a new meaning as we shifted away and into more customized workshops that can uh, focus and evoke from within the, the participants um, one's own potential and really realize that potential. So that's the kind of uh, transformation, I suppose, that I would say. You know, we always did customized training and mentoring with our clients. And so what we did is just kind of move it into that focus, a lot of presentation skills training, media training, but this other element of, you know, how, you know, when you say you want to do X, Y, Z in your career, what's getting in your way of that? Mm-hmm. What inspired that major shift? Well, part of it, honestly, was my own journey. I uh, was diagnosed in 2013 with breast cancer, and it really blew my mind. I mean, I kind of thought I had checked the box on certainly avoiding, you know, a major disease. Um, None of us live our lives with that intention, but I specifically was extremely fit, lots of, um, you know, really um, spent a lot of time 
focused on nutrition and just living a, a healthy, clean life. Um, you know, even healthy products in my environment. I just had a lot of awareness around that. So when I received this diagnosis, I was so surprised. You know, and I went into this whole thing of, wait a minute, how could I have missed anything? How could this have happened? And the truth of the matter is, who knows? Sometimes things just happen and, and we don't really know what the causes of that are. But it set me on a really beautiful path um, that was very inward. Like what are some of the ways that uh, we can look at health differently? And when I did that analysis in my own life, you know, kind of mental health, okay, physical health, got it, you know, um, spiritual health, you know, okay, that, that can be just kind of what touches your soul, the kindness that you show to people. It doesn't have to be faith-based, you know, so all of that was really checked off in my life. And then there was this other bucket that was emotional health. And I thought, okay, I don't know, you know, a wine date with a girlfriend, maybe call a therapist when you need one. That was kind of it for me. I, I thought that certainly I didn't try not to keep too much inside. I mean, doesn't that kind of cover it? But what I discovered after just continually asking this question of what is it to be emotionally healthy? What tools do I have to do that? You know, what is it when you're not emotionally healthy? How does that show up in your life? And as I started to look at that and levels of stress and anxiety and pushing yourself and how driven um, that I was personally and so many of my clients, colleagues, friends um, really fell into that uh, arena, I realized there's something here. And so I just completely shifted my life. I actually went back to school, um, interested in really digging into the neurobiology, psychology, and how those two worlds kind of meet. Where is that intersection point? And how can we apply that to our lives and careers? Wow, I love that you took this experience and you thought about how it affected you and also how you could connect more with, with people in a different way now that you had this profound experience and had sort of experienced your life in such a different way. Now it was, like you said, inward and you're thinking more about your your emotions and your feelings and, and your mindset and you're thinking, how can I help other people, right? Yeah, I mean, what it, what occurred to me as I looked at the business when I finished um, finished up cancer treatment, I was declared cancer free in November of 2013, and then I kind of went back into life, thinking, all right, you know, what am I going to do here? There was so much I had learned on that journey that I that it was it was just bubbling out. I, I knew that there was something here for me, and um, I thought maybe it would be a private journey, but it really turned into a professional one. Um, what happened is that you know we've always uh, taught different communication skills through, through workshops and coaching. That was just a part of my PR and marketing firm, and a service that we provide provided very regularly with spokespeople and business people and driven professionals. And so what I realized is, my goodness, I mean, there's there's a whole curriculum here if clients are interested in not just external communications, which we've been doing for a long time, but communicating within mm, and yeah. what what that's all about. So what I thought is, I'm just a big believer in, you know, you present things to the market and you, you let them respond. And my clients just immediately went on that journey with me. It was really beautiful and kind of surprising. And I, I decided that that's really what I love to do. It's the workshops. It's the communication skills that are internal and external that I really love the most. 
And so I shifted the business to real focus on that one component of what we did, which is really around training, coaching, and workshops. This is just a, a question out of curiosity. Do you ever feel thankful for the cancer because of how it affected your life and how it maybe made you live on a deeper level? Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people who, I mean, so many people are affected by cancer. It's one in three women get breast cancer. So it's so prevalent. And so many people have different ways of holding that experience inside themselves. I know that for me, um, I, I spell cancer C-A-N-S-W-E-R. For me, it was an answer to many things that I never even realized that inside that I really maybe was meant to question. And again, this is just my perspective. Yeah. Um, but I really feel like it had a much deeper meaning and a purpose for me. I see that so clearly that I don't think about that day as the day I got a cancer diagnosis. Instead, I rather think it was the day that I found out my truest potential and how I was getting in my own way. Wow, that is so inspiring. Um, when you fused together your career in communications with the studying you had been doing in psychology and neurobiology and health, did you worry people would be confused about what you were offering and how did you handle that? You know, I guess because we had always done workshops and coaching, that it, that was a part of, not every PR and marketing firm does that, but that was something that was always a part of our service offering and um, used frequently by the, the clients that we worked with. And so um, it, it was really kind of um, a seamless expansion of our services. It was more like we're going to dissolve these other two lines of business and we're going to expand this other one and add a little bit more to it so that the workshops are really about empowering driven professionals with skills on their inner communications, including tools for conquering your inner critic and, and, and really building curriculum around an awareness of the science behind that intricate mind-body connection and ways to bring out your best both at work and then, of course, at home, because those are not isolated. We're really, we're one whole being. Um, so it, it was just a seamless kind of um, movement for the firm. And I found it to really uh, just sit, it sat better with me as far as a direction for the company. I felt like it was just um, a higher purpose, I would say, a higher purpose of what we were really doing. Mm -hmm. Well, since you have a blend of skills in psychology and, um, you know, in neurobiology and also PR and communications, I thought, wow, we, we could talk about all kinds of things today. So I did come up with some questions that I felt you could touch on and maybe offer some, some pearls of wisdom to our audience. And the first thing I was thinking about is how thoughts and emotions impact our success, success, health, and well-being. Because you teach women how to deal with that. So what are a few major tips you could give women about this? Um, gosh, I mean, there's so much material here. It's so rich in opportunity for us. I think one of the most interesting things that I came across early in my own research and study is that um, the inner voice, which we all know that we have, there's a constant conversation 
that's going on 24 seven, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's stories and commentary and verdicts and, and judgments and observations and constantly going on inside. 70,000 thoughts is how many on average that we think every single day. Wow. That's kind of mind blowing, right? Yes. 70,000 thoughts and that's a lot of busyness. Really compelling about it. Though, as we look at thoughts and emotions and how it affects our lives, is that most of those are negative. Mm -hmm. Most of those, that inner conversation is negative. And so, you know, one of the fundamentals that um, I teach through workshops and coaching is really starting to become aware of when that inner voice is kicking in in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, it, we kind of go through exercises where I work with women just on the awareness and men too sometimes, but mostly women uh, on the awareness of what is it that you're saying to yourself? You know, how do you treat yourself and others when you're in that judgmental kind of place? Because every time we're in that space, we're experiencing some level of discomfort in our bodies. Uh, We might not even be aware of it, but when you have a negative thought, there is a negative reaction in your body. In fact, um, there's fantastic research. It was done, oh, I think it was actually in the 80s. Um, So, you know, it's not new information, but it may be new to some. um, That a a researcher by the name of uh, Dr. Emoto actually looked at, he had an idea that thoughts have an impact on your, on us in general, on things. And he did all of this research on water crystals. And in fact, this research has been done in classrooms many times since then, where they'll take a water bottle and they'll write love on it, let's say. And we'll put that at one side of the classroom. And the other side of the classroom, we'll put hate on it in you know another water bottle. And then the students are directed through the course of the year to go to the love bottle and say nice things and be kind to it and really kind of give it good energy, maybe even verbal and nonverbal. And then the opposite would be true with the water bottle labeled hate. And at the end of the year, uh, the students take the water out and look at the crystals, uh, the water molecules under a microscope and see what happens. And it is unbelievable the power of the love crystals from the the water bottle, from the crystals, from the bottle of love are just these crystalline, beautiful, kind of majestic, detailed um, things. And a totally different uh, water crystal is what you'll see from the hate bottle. And what's really, you know, it's broken down, it's it's shattered, it's got uh, ragged pieces to it. Sometimes it's completely fragmented. And um, I actually show some of those images in one of my workshops um, to really bring this point home. And here's why this is important. Our bodies are about 75% water. So that cannot be ignored. So what's happening inside your body when you think that person's a jerk or I really did a wonderful job today, or I'm just really trying my best and I'm just going to prize myself for that. You know, or my mother-in-law is such a pain, you know, so all of those thoughts are really noticing when your inner voice is negative and how you treat yourself and what goes on inside is the very first piece of it. Because until you can bring uh, what's fairly unconscious 
uh, into the conscious mind, then there's nothing you can do about it. So it's noticing and then moving into understanding what's happening inside your brain and an acknowledgement about the choice that you have to shift that perspective. And then, of course, you know, kind of a three-step model that we work with at that fundamental um, level of the inner critic is to take action to reframe your interpretation of events. You know, I have this funny story my, uh, of a really good friend who's just this super angry driver. And when I'm in the car with him, he's just, he's just a maniac. And he's a very good driver. He's very conscientious. He doesn't drive too fast. And so he's very critical of other drivers on the road. And um, I was in the car with him the other day and somebody cut us off. And he was just beside, you know, he had to, to the point that he had to like, put on the brakes, slow down. And he was just like, you look over and his face is red. It looks like he's just going to blow a gasket. <laughs> and you know, are you, are you okay? I, I know that was kind of stressful. I'm glad we got through that. And he said, I just don't understand. You know, well, they think they're so important, you know, like, like where they have to go is more important than where I have to go. I thought to myself, I get it. I totally get it. That's a perfectly valid response. And I would then encourage um, those to consider um, who are looking to shift this dynamic. Does it serve you? Does it serve you to think that? Whether or not that's really accurate. What might serve you? What about humor? So I said, you know what? I totally have an inside scoop I need to share with you. That person absolutely needs to pee. <laughs> they need to pee so badly that like, if they don't get ahead, like it's going to be hugely embarrassing. Did you notice that they have a passenger in there? They don't even know what they're going to do with themselves. They're literally going to pee themselves in front of their like client. <laughs> we start laughing. It's a little lighthearted. That's just a technique. That's a choice. And we all have choices about how we hold certain thoughts in our body and they really matter. So once you acknowledge it and you understand it, you said take action. So what, how, what are some different ways to take action? Like maybe instead of being angry at the driver, you decide to laugh at them because maybe they just have to pee really bad. But what are some other things we could be doing that might help us to move out of that negative mindset? Yeah, so there are a variety of techniques that are really around reframing. So, you know, you can choose to hold that thought in lots of ways, right? We can reframe it into something humorous, as in that example. You can reframe it into something that would give you um, a better thought or feeling inside your body, like, say, compassion. Um, what if you decided that the person, in just using the same example, in front of you that just cut you off is actually a surgeon rushing to the next operation to save a woman's life? Mm. Uh, there actually are let's say, you, we could consider more important things that that person has to do, perhaps, than you. That that might be one way to reframe it. So there's lots of, you know, there are ways that we can choose to hold it in our, in our consciousness. Um, one might be just to notice, wow, okay, I get really triggered when this happens to me. What is that all about? You know, what's going on? What story am I really telling myself about this? When do I feel this way in other parts of my life where I feel maybe I just don't feel like I'm heard? I don't feel like people notice me. I don't feel like, um, uh, you know, like I'm worthy of people's, you know, time and consideration. 
That's getting much deeper into mastery because when you start to learn and you can work with a coach to do that, uh, when you start to learn what are some of those old stories that really shift my life experience and color the ways that I show up in my life, you can start to see, wow, I'm self-sabotaging. There are ways that my conversation within are, is actually sabotaging, let's say, me getting promoted or um, you know, me having a healthy marriage. So there are lots of different ways to look at um, opportunities to reframe and shift the way that we are showing up. And that's certainly reframing. Pivoting is another one of my favorites uh, that's very effective. And the idea is it's similar to reframing, but the idea is just to um, kind of, uh, you get the visual of you're standing in place and you're just gonna shift 90 degrees and see where that gets you or shift 180 degrees and say, okay, you know, what's this viewpoint look like? Does this viewpoint offer me something different than my other viewpoint? Mm -hmm. Those are great tips. Where do you see women struggle the most when it comes to accomplishing goals and reaching their potential? Um, you know, I really think the biggest is in um, the critic. You know, the way that we reject and criticize ourselves, for instance, when we really start to tune in, and especially women, uh, really start to tune in at the way that we judge ourselves and the way that we talk to ourselves, let's just take, you know, body image. I mean, that's just an easy one. We all have that. Um, in fact, um, statistics are that about 82% of men and about 86% of women uh, wish that they had something different about their body uh, and look at others and see something better than what they have. That's a really high, you know, really high numbers of people who are basically rejecting themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. And you look at that and you overlay that in, you know, what's going on in, in women's health right now. And uh, some of the fascinating and really scary information, um, the latest stats are that, for instance, autoimmune disease, one in every, so one man to 10 women get autoimmune disease today. That has never in the history of women's health ever been the case. Wow. That it's so skewed, 10 women to one man. What is autoimmune disease? Autoimmune disease is your body rejecting its own tissues. What thought pattern might, might really drive that? These are really important questions, and they matter. They, they seem very, um, you know, it might not be something you go to your standard OBGYN or um, your family practitioner. They might not talk to you about it, but lots of other practitioners um, in the medical field are really becoming aware of this and health and well-being. It's why we see so much more about mindfulness these days. This is real. And it's affecting our whole society and especially women's health. What do you think are a few things women could be doing in order to improve their chances of, you know, living a healthy life, both mentally and physically? Are there a few tips you could offer? You know, I think there are really three things when it boils down to how we can shift this whole dynamic. And uh, it's really around self-love, self-acceptance and self-forgiveness. Hmm. And um, one of the things that that a mentor of mine taught me is, you know, that's L-A-F, right? Love, acceptance, forgiveness, laugh more. Oh, yeah. You know, laugh more. 
I loved that when he said it because I thought, you know, and he's he's a doc, um, very, you know, he's he's schooled in like three areas of psychology, and and um, he's a family practitioner and uh, specializes in um, integrative uh, psychosynthesis and and holistic healing. Just really fascinating to have a medical background and a lot of um, kind of. Eastern and Western modalities combined. And I really love that. It's one of the things that I learned from him is around laugh more. And I teach that um, to my clients because it's incredibly important to become your inner best friend. The way that we talk to our best friends and how understanding, how accepting we are, how loving we are to them and how forgiving when things happen. You know, oh, hun, don't worry about it. I know you canceled lunch. It was like 10 minutes before we were going to meet. I get it. You're so busy. We're all busy. You know, we just, we're just kind. Yeah. We're just sweet about it. Oh, you made this big error. You, you know, you didn't do the presentation the way you wanted it. I know, or you didn't get the job or you didn't get the promotion. You know, we, we coach each other through in the kindest ways, mm-hmm. but inside ourselves, we don't do that. We often don't do that. So I think a big game changer is around laugh more. And I mean that by belly laughing for sure, because there's tons of research around what that does for your body and your mind. But there's a whole other piece around how you treat yourself inside. Wow. that I'm going to have to think about that more. I laugh all the time. I, I think I probably laugh more than anybody I know. I just love to laugh. So that's really good news to hear. I don't have to change that. <laughs> um, and I love self-love, self-acceptance, self-forgiveness. Like just hearing those three words, I feel like I was just hugged by a teddy bear and it makes me really happy. So I'm, I'm just picturing myself later today making giant posters that say those words on them and just hanging them in my office as right. constant visual reminders, because you're right. There can be moments in my day when everything's going great. And then I get an email from someone, it totally throws me off. And I just go down the spiral of how did I do, why did I do it that way? And why did I say that? And, you know, instead I could just accept that that's how it is and just love myself for doing the best thing in that moment. So that's great advice. That is so beautiful, Angela. You, you absolutely got it. The whole spirit of it. I can see that you just lean right into anything that comes your way. I already love that about you. <laughs> Thanks. So I want to talk a little bit about speaking specifically yeah. and a little bit more about um, communications and, and PR. Because many speakers struggle with narrowing their niche to just one or two topic areas. And, you know, I, I'm wondering how you are able to fuse your wide experience and expertise, both in health and well-being and communications and PR into useful workshops under a clear brand? Yeah, I mean, basically, we use, um, I boil it down with clients uh, into one thing. Here's what we do. It's communications. We teach teams and individuals how they can reach their full potential through effective communication practices inside and out. So that's really what it boils down to. And I find that that's very clear for clients. Yeah. And and so you did something really brilliant. You just, you found an umbrella, your umbrella is communication and you were able to put everything underneath it instead of saying, well, we do PR and we do communications and we do some marketing and we do some training. You were able to just put it very simply for them. And then, you know, behind the scenes, you kind of figured out how it would all work. Right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so what kinds of communications mistakes do you see speakers making? You know, it's an interesting question. I, I suppose um, 
The biggest one is uh, I often see speakers come forward with this idea that they're giving a performance. And I think that's a big mistake. I think the game changer is uh, when a speaker goes into a presentation knowing that they are there to contribute, not perform. And, you know, when you're giving a performance, it's kind of like theater. There's, you know, and for some approach, for some people, you know, that approach kind of works and it's okay with their personality. But I think uh, the most moving speakers, the ones that move audiences out of indifference and, and are memorable, I believe that they see a higher purpose. I believe they connect to, I'm here to contribute something to you. I'm here to say something important that not in an ego way, but that can benefit you, my audience. And I really come from that kind of way of being. And, and it's much more authentic. I think stories come through that are more about connection with your audience and, and being willing to be vulnerable in a different way than when your perspective is about performing. And that could be back to that pivot, right? That's just a pivot. I'm here to contribute, not perform. I just pivot my way, my perspective over into this other place. And what I've seen come forward from clients is just um, some of their best communicating. Yeah, because when you're vulnerable and you're speaking your truth, it makes it okay for them to do the same thing. Right? And then yes. you have a stronger conversation with them that's more honest and real than the kind of conversation you might have if you're acting. Absolutely. We all crave that. We all crave human connection. That's just the, the biophysical needs of the species. I mean, so if you just really boil us all down to that, when you deliver on that, when you connect with people, when there is that um, kind of exchange, I mean, that's success right there. Mm -hmm. It creates a whole different dynamic than if someone is there to speak to you one way. You know, we can all see that in someone. You pick up on it sometimes even before they begin to speak in how they hold themselves, how they conduct themselves, when they're how how um, they communicate self-importance. Yeah, excellent. Now, so I'm, I've been helping women to become speakers, and some of them are coaches, some of them are consultants, some of them have their own business, and they're confused about how they put their offerings out there. They're wondering, if I want to work with one client, say a corporate client, how do I know what to offer them? Should I offer them coaching? Should I offer them a workshop? And I know you have a whole list of things you do, so I'm wondering how you integrate these offerings for a single client so you could maybe offer some guidance for newer speakers. Sure. Um, my experience is that it almost always begins with some sort of workshop. And then it moves into other things. For instance, um, a couple months ago, I've been hired by this renewable energies company many times to work with their workforce, which is fairly diverse and um, and fragmented in lots of ways. They have offices all over the nation. And, and one of the things that... Um, kind of began when they first hired me, they said, well, you know, could you come in? Cause we really need presentation skills training. We've got uh, a bunch of folks who regularly are asked 
uh, to speak because they're subject matter experts and we really want to improve their communication skills. So I said, sure, you know, we'll come in. Then you start to get to know an organization. Another group within that company said, you know, we're good with our speakers, but we have a lot of interview requests right now from the media and we want to make sure that our spokespeople are communicating a consistent message. And, you know, we really want to give them an opportunity to get on camera and, and practice and feel uh, confident before they do a live media interview. Sure, sure. You know, we can come in and do that workshop. What ends up happening is you get to know a client through that process. And so my experience anyway is... Um, as we were giving the presentation skills workshop, a smaller group of the women came forward with some experiences that they were having that weren't necessarily related to public speaking, although it was their experience in internal meetings. So maybe a little less formal than giving a, a presentation at a conference, but how they represent themselves in meetings. And some of them started to, you know, really be vulnerable with me and be willing to share, you know, the, my experience is that I don't think, um, I don't think that the men in the room really take me seriously. Mm. And so it's, it's about listening um, you know, as I started to get to know that client and heard them, really heard what was coming up for them, I thought, you know, I'm not sure they would be open to it, but I'll offer because this is something that can be addressed with some coaching. And, and it sometimes works better in a team for a piece of it. And then it's really important to go one on one with people because everyone has their own kind of inner work and inner stories. So so that's what I find. I find that it often begins uh, with the immediate need of a client and then it branches into other things if you're really committed to deep listening. Mm -hmm. Right. And being present in the room and not just giving your information, but actually listening to what they're asking for. Absolutely. I want to jump into our lightning round. I have five quick questions. <laughs> the first one is, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women in business? Oh, my goodness. Um, the number one piece of advice that I have for women in business you know, I think that um, as I've worked with women um, over the last two years in particular, I've really noticed something that Brene Brown um, actually uses. I think it's a term in her Power of Vulnerability, which is such an excellent book. Um, it's the idea that so often women look at productivity and they equate it to self-worth and they, um, we, uh, really look at exhaustion oftentimes as a status symbol. Like if I'm, if I'm doing a lot, if I'm really busy, then I'm, I'm important. I'm getting something done. I'm living a valuable life. So there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of misbeliefs um, around that idea. And so my biggest piece of advice for women in business is to cultivate a very different kind of approach that if you find yourself in those buckets that we so often do where we're just doing, 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 and there's no time in your life for being, um, I really encourage you to take a deeper look at that. Excellent. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? Oh, absolutely. Be authentic. It's my number one. 
Awesome. There's, yeah, no, no one can be a better you than you. I think Pink sings that in her current song. You know? <laughs> no one can be like me anyway. Be authentic, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and number three, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, gosh. Wow, life is such a wild ride. I probably would say um, be more gentle with yourself, sweetheart. I think I would probably speak to her the way I do my 10 and 15 year old children, my daughters now, you know, just be so gentle with yourself, sweetheart. You're so beautiful, so deeply brilliant and such a miracle in so many ways. Just let yourself off the hook. That's so nice. Um, Number four, what advice do you have for your 95 year old self? Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Well, you know, my grandmother turns 100 on August, on October 9th this year. Wow. I might actually be 95. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but all about quality of life for sure. Um, let's see advice. Honestly, I think I have more questions. <laughs> I mean, what was it like? You know, what, what would you say? I asked my grandmother this the other day. You know, Nana, what would you say is the one thing that really um, contributes to you living so beautifully up until, you know, such a rich old age and you're so present of mind. And she said, gratitude. Mm. She said, I wake up every day. This is so funny because I'm picturing my cute little nearly 100 year old Nana in bed. You know, she doesn't move. She lays down and she's like one solid, you know, like plank of wood. She lays down, she wakes up in the exact same place. It's hilarious. So I'm imagining her waking up as she said she did. Yeah, you know what, honey? I just wake up and I open my eyes and I think, oh, well, I I just got another day. Great. And she just goes into total gratitude. And I love it. Yeah, it's perfect. And number five, if you had to make pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? I would pick a bird. I like the idea of freedom. Um, being empowered uh, and a state of kind of ease and grace. You know, sometimes you have to flap your wings really hard and sometimes you catch that beautiful wind current. And I just, it seems to me that that, um, that that's just the right image. Mm-hmm. And lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? To claim the stage, I would say to own it in the only way that you can really with integrity, with storytelling that's around vulnerability. Uh, It takes a lot of courage in some ways to own the stage, to claim that stage by just being yourself. And it's a game changer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything you'd like to tell us about? Any upcoming events or offers? Um, sure. I've got, uh, let's see. My next event is August 5th. It's on, um, how to conquer your inner critic, uh, 10 Pacific, one Eastern. Um, anyone who wants to follow me, I'm on Twitter at, at coaching evolved and, uh, and on Facebook at Keenan PR. And what is your website? It's KeenanPR.com. So it's K-E-E-N-A-N and P like potential, R like realized.com. Perfect. Heather, thanks so much for coming on the show today. This was extremely enlightening, also entertaining and inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) Such a privilege for me, Angela. Thank you so much. Thanks. 
there you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Heather. So many huge nuggets of wisdom, amazing things to think about, and just huge like changes in the way that you think about everything, right? And how it affects your body. I was like, wow, I, I have some thinking to do here. <laughs> um, before I go, I want to make sure that I mention a huge thank you again to everyone who has left a review for my podcast on iTunes. If you have not yet, please consider doing so as it does help more people find it. And uh, if you like what you hear, if you like what you hear on the podcast and you want to hear more and find out more about public speaking, please sign up for my mailing list at AngelaLucier.us. That's L-U-S-S as in Sam, I-E-R. And I will now sign off with my motto. Stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.